So good to see you tonight. So excited just to dive into our Bible study. Uh, I'd like to welcome those who might be tuning in. Uh, Maybe you're at college. Welcome. So glad to have you here with us. We're going to get started. Let's dive into Mark chapter 4. Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. If you need a Bible, we've got Cliff and Kenny coming around with Bibles. Pick up a Bible. And we are going to be uh, doing a lot of reading tonight. Not not necessarily a lot of reading, but we're going to be jumping between a couple of different chapters, all while staying within Mark chapters 4 through 7. Mark chapter 4 is our launching point for our Bible study. Last week we talked about embracing loneliness, embracing loneliness, why we should expect loneliness, why we should embrace loneliness, while, uh, why following Jesus means potentially a life of loneliness, but not running away from it or shying away from loneliness, not trying to um, run away from loneliness and compromising on values and standards and trying to fit in. So embrace loneliness. Um, That's something we talked about last week. You can watch it on our Facebook if you missed last week's Bible study. Uh, This week we are talking about something parallel to embracing loneliness. We'll find out in just a moment. Uh, But we're going to start reading in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Uh, Starting in verse 1, we're going to read the first nine verses, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dive into our Bible study and see what the Lord has for us tonight. So Mark chapter 4, I hope you're there, starting in verse 1. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So pause there with me. This is the Sea of Galilee, just to set up some context for you, in the land of Israel. Verse 2, Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, this is Jesus speaking, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear." We'll pause there and pray. Lord, we want to open our Bible study to you tonight just first by committing it to prayer. Lord, we just are so privileged to study your word tonight in the freedom we enjoy here in America. Lord, we love you and we, we look forward to hearing from you, Lord. We pray that your presence would meet us tonight, Lord. We believe just during the worship time that your, your spirit has already fallen, Lord. So we, we pray that you would just minister to us now by the reading of your word, Lord, Lord, we pray that it would not return void, and we ask that you would just do a, a transformation in our hearts, Lord, a transformative work in our lives, just by reading and studying your word. Such a beautiful thing, Lord, just to sit before you, to study and read your word, Lord, we don't take it for granted. So be our teacher tonight, Lord, convict us, encourage us. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. So last week we talked about embracing loneliness. Tonight I'd like to talk to you about experiencing peace. Experiencing peace. And the reason I felt that it was 
good to discuss this tonight was because I feel that we live in such a restless generation. We live in such a restless generation where anxiety and stress are on the rise. And so I've talked to a few of you, talked to many people uh, just within the church, outside the church, and the topic that often arises is how can I escape just feelings of anxiety and stress and how can I meet God's peace? I've never even experienced God's peace. So I want to talk to you tonight from even the words of Jesus as we look through these three chapters, Mark's, or four chapters really, four, five, six, and seven. Jesus is going to hit on this subject of peace and how to attain peace. So I'd like to talk tonight about experiencing peace experiencing God's peace. The only way we really experience God's peace is by encountering a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so we're looking at the words of Jesus here in Mark chapter 4, and let's see what he notes about peace. So we're going to go through a couple of stories here. We're going to jump around between these couple of chapters, between chapters 4 and 7. We're going to treat them as bookends and then see what Jesus has to say about peace. So Let's look at what we just read here in the first nine verses of chapter four. Jesus is speaking to a large crowd here first, and he gives this parable, and I'm going to summarize the parable, and then later Jesus gives the explanation to the parable. I'm going to summarize that as well and walk us through it. And so Jesus is talking to a large crowd, and he speaks in parabolic terms here, and he says that, that a sower is in a garden, and he sows some seeds, all right? And he says that some seed, it falls on the wayside, It falls on the wayside, but then birds come, take that seed up. It doesn't have any time to take root into anything. Then he says, some seed, as the sower is planting the seed, some seed just so happens to fall on stony soil. And that springs up really quickly, but then when the sun hits that, it scorches and it withers away that that plant. Then Jesus says that some seed falls on thorns. Some seed seed falls on thorny soil. That plant, again, produces very quickly, it sprouts up very quickly, but then the thorns scorch that seed out, they choke it out. Then Jesus says, fourth thing is, some seed falls on good soil, and then that good soil then produces that crop, the the plant springs up very quickly, it produces, and it even produces a a, a crop, he says 60-fold, even 100-fold. And so what is Jesus talking about here? Well, he gives us the explanation in the following verses, I'm going to summarize that as well. He says that this seed, this seed that the sower is planting, this seed is the word of God. This seed that the sower is planting is the word of God. And he says that some seed, some of the scripture, some of the the word of God falls on, he says, the wayside. He says, but the seed that falls on the wayside is devoured by birds. So Jesus says that the word is planted, but some people are hard to receive it. They don't have any Um, soil that would take root of that seed. And he says that the birds come and devour it. And he says that Satan, that's symbolic of Satan, Satan comes and once you hear the word, Satan comes and snatches that word out. Then he says some seed falls on stony soil. So the word then goes out again. He says that this seed, it springs up quickly, but, but it's withered away once the hot sun hits this plant. So Jesus says the word is planted And the word, you receive it, you accept it, you even are excited about your faith. But then when the sun hits, he's talking about tribulation, persecution, trials. When trials hit your faith, your faith withers away. Excitement comes. This is what Spurgeon says. The religion that is born of mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. And I've seen this many times in the lives of believers 
They hear the word. They hear the message of salvation. They quickly accept it. There's joy within their lives. But then life gets hard. Life gets a little tough. They go back to school. They go back to work. And that plant that was once thriving, it just withers away. Then Jesus says that some of the seed falls on thorny ground. And that grew up, but it was choked out by the thorns. So what does this mean? Well, the word was planted It was received. Again, they were excited about their faith. But then also everything else grows. They're excited about their faith. They accept their faith. But then they accept everything that the culture feeds them, that everything grows around it to the point where the thorns of life just start to choke out the word. The worries of life, the anxiety of life, the fear of life begin to choke out the word that was once planted in you. Then the fourth and final thing Jesus says is the word fell on good soil and it sprung up quickly and produced a great crop. And so Jesus says here that you received the word, you accepted it, you believed it, and you obeyed it. You practiced it and you shared it with others. And obviously this good soil is the good soil Jesus wants for all of us. And to experience God's peace, we need to be the good soil that number one, obeys God's word obeys God's word. You want to experience peace? Start with accepting the scripture. Start with studying the Bible. Start with not only studying it, teaching it, learning it, but actually practicing it and obeying it. Listen, a lot of you are questioning, why do I not have peace in my life? Why do I have anxiety and stress in my life and I have no peace? Perhaps is it because you are not even doing the simple things and obeying the word of God? Because I've seen it happen in many believers' lives, and even in my own life, I'm speaking from experience, when I've neglected to obey God's Word, that is the quickest and fastest way to experiencing stress void of any, of any peace. And so if you want to experience peace, what sinful habits do you need to get rid of? What sinful habits do you need to let down? What sinful habits do you need to let go of and deny? Because the quickest way to feeling stressed out is when you cultivate a life of sin within your hearts. If you want to experience God's peace, start by obeying God's Word. And when you obey God's Word, it's a beautiful thing that God does in your life in your life when He replaces just those feelings of shame, those feelings of guilt. When you repent of sin, you turn to the Lord, you receive His grace and forgiveness that washes and pours over your sin and shame. This peace that just transcends that and surpasses All of your sin and shame is a beautiful, wonderful thing. David said in the Psalms, when I hid my sin away from you, God, I felt like my bones were wasting away. I felt like I was dying inside. Have you ever experienced that when you just held on to different sins? When you've held on to different struggles? When you've cultivated a life of sin? You just feel like you're wasting away. You feel just shameful. You feel literally exhausted and tired. Jesus says, I can give you something that supersedes your exhaustion and that gives you peace. And it's by simply just obeying God's word. So if you want to experience God's peace, obey God's word. That's what we see first in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. Our second principle is going to be found, same chapter, Mark chapter 4. But look at, look at verse 35. I love this passage, verse 35 to uh, verse 41, same chapter, Mark chapter 4. It says, On the same day when evening had come, so we're talking same day here, Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. So Jesus gets in his boat, crosses over to the other side of the Galilee, 
Verse 36, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. This is hilarious. Jesus in the midst of this storm, he's sleeping in the boat, he's sleeping on a pillow. And then, and they awoke him, the disciples, they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, that's our key phrase, key word, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The second way we can experience God's peace simply is by being still. Be still. This simple truth within this passage, be still. God's call for peace involved His command to be still. Just to be still. When stressed out and when anxious and when needing to make big decisions, when possibly needing to meet deadlines, at least speaking from my own personal experience, my first initial reaction when I'm anxious, when I'm scared, when I'm nervous, when I've got something on my mind that just won't escape, when I've got deadlines to meet, whatever it might be that is causing just a stress or a fear with inside of you, my initial reaction to that is to go, 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 be on a rush, just be on some, some sort of schedule and do it to my mind just becomes scattered. I, I can't focus because I'm so worried or fearful about something that has come up in my life. Whatever it might be, you can fill in the blank, a work deadline, a, a family emergency, whatever it might be. My first instinct is just to be on the go, to rush, to, to try to get all of my eggs in the same basket, to, to try to line my ducks up in a row. When oftentimes Jesus is calling us in the midst of those chaotic storms just to be still. I love what Exodus 14, 14 says. God says, you only need to be still while I fight your battles. It's a wonderful, very powerful thing. A very small verse in Exodus 14 where Jesus or or God calls us to be still while he fights our battles. My first initial reaction when I'm in a battle is to fight my own battles. And that's our own, oftentimes, our own initial instincts when we are caught in just a chaotic moment, whatever it might be, is to fight our battles, to calm our own storms, to figure out what our next step is. When oftentimes Jesus is just calling us to be still and He says, listen, I'm going to fight your battles. You only need to be still. You only need to be still before me. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And this is what Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. And oftentimes when I am in a chaotic situation, like the disciples here are in this literal storm, I meditate on my problems. I meditate on my problems. 
And Jesus calls us not to meditate on our problems, but to meditate on his presence. He says, think on these things. Colossians chapter 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And then the rest of that verse says in Philippians 4, it says in verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, Paul says, these do and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. When you set your mind on things above, when you just stop, get alone with the Lord, maybe put on some worship music in your prayer closet and just sit and literally don't do anything, but you're just still before the Lord. It's easy to do that when life is good and when the waters are calm, but try that in the midst of a storm. I mean, I don't blame these disciples. They're waking up Jesus in a panic. They're, they're scared to death. They say, Lord, don't you care that we're dying? And Jesus stands up, comes awake from his stupor, and he says, peace. But he doesn't say, peace, start to take the water out of the boat. Peace, start to row back to shore as fast as you can. He says, no, peace, be still. We need to take a lesson from Mark chapter 4 in this passage. And when we're in those chaotic situations, we need to sometimes, you know, I'm not saying when, when, when there's an emergency, don't, just don't sit and do, you know, do anything. You know, you got to, you obviously got to do some practical steps, but first set your minds on the Lord and get right with Him. And sometimes within those messes that don't necessarily need your knee-jerk reaction, that don't necessarily need your immediate attention, just get alone with the Lord and just be still. And Exodus 14, 14, watch Him fight your battles for you. Take this passage and learn from it how to experience peace. Just be still before Him. Um, our third passage is found in chapter 5. Let's look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 21. This is where we're going to find our third principle on how to experience peace. Chapter 5, verse 21. says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, so Jesus is doing a lot of, uh, he's doing a lot of sailing today, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Verse 22, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, He fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman Fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who, was, who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. All right, let's pause there and let's kind of just talk about what's going on here because we were met with this synagogue ruler named Jairus. Jesus is very popular at this time of his ministry. He's walking along out 
out of the boat, walking along the Sea of Galilee, a great multitude of people is, is crowding around Jesus. This synagogue ruler named Jairus comes to Jesus, falls at Jesus' feet, and he says, listen, teacher, my daughter back home is dying. Please come, heal her, and she will be made whole. All of a sudden, we take a, a U-turn here. This interruption comes in verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. So this is, this is the picture we're getting here. That Jesus follows Jairus back to his home. The crowd then follows Jesus with him. And then all of a sudden, this woman then interrupts the procession to Jairus' house, falls at, or, uh, falls at Jesus' garment behind Jesus, touches his garment, and then is made, made whole. He, she's completely healed. And so um, without being too graphic, it says that This woman was on her period for 12 years, and then when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was completely healed of her affliction. Jesus then realizes that power is left from him, turns around, he says, who just touched me? And his disciples, always thinking that they know better than Jesus, they say, well, Jesus, there's thousands of people around you, and you're wondering, you know, who touched you? I mean, everyone's kind of around you. But Jesus knows that one specific woman, by faith, was seeking healing, and she was healed and she was made well. And Jesus looks at her because she's afraid. She, he says, daughter, don't be afraid. Your faith has healed you. Then Jairus is like, all right, Jesus, can we continue to uh, my, daughter's, my daughter's place? I mean, she's, she's, she's dying of this, this sickness, this disease. But then a couple men from Jairus' house, they come and say, listen, I hate to break it to you, Jairus. Your daughter's already dead. There's no need to bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus then continues to the house. Let's pick it back up in verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe, verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but is only sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside... He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talatha kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat." So what is going on here? Well, there's two two women, just to briefly summarize, a woman who is afflicted by bleeding for 12 years, and then a 12-year-old girl who's completely dead. What do these two women have in common? They earnestly sought Jesus. They both earnestly sought Jesus. The woman who was bleeding for 12 years reached out, earnestly sought Jesus, The daughter, Jairus, on behalf of his daughter, earnestly seeks out Jesus. The way we receive and experience God's peace is by earnestly seeking the Lord. Earnestly seeking the Lord. And these are what these two, these are what these these two women do. And they earnestly sought after Jesus because they knew Jesus has something to offer me that I cannot find outside of Jesus. And in my own life, and I know in in many of ours, we have earnestly sought other things that cannot ultimately fulfill or bring us lasting peace. Whether it was popularity, whether it was material success, whether it was just simply 
always feeling the need to be liked, we can be in search of a thousand other things, in search of ultimate fulfillment, ultimate gratification, ultimate peace. And let me tell you that you will never find ultimate peace when you are earnestly seeking anything other than Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ cannot be, or, or your peace cannot be found in anything other than the power of Jesus Christ. This, this is what these two women realize. Jairus, on behalf of his daughter, says, I need to pursue the only source of lasting peace and healing. The woman who had this affliction for 12 years, I need to pursue Jesus, the only source of lasting peace and fulfillment. Both of them are healed because they earnestly sought Jesus. And we've got to do the same thing. If we want to pursue and experience God's peace, we've got to earnestly seek Him. You know, it's very interesting to me when people ask me questions about how can I just rid of stress or rid of just different worries that seem to just constantly overwhelm me. And then I ask about their prayer life with the Lord and it's completely absent. We need to be earnestly pursuing and just seeking after the Lord by coming before Him. This is what Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And part of earnestly seeking the Lord is by getting alone with the Lord, like we talk about, be still, our second principle, but prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Paul again in Philippians chapter 4, great chapter in the Bible, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen, the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want your heart and your mind to be guarded by God's peace? And get alone with Him and pray, pray, pray. Pray through your anxiety. Pray through your stress. Pray through your workload. Pray through your family issues. Pray, pray, pray. The Lord never stops meeting people when they come to Him and earnestly seek Him. The Bible says, Though, if you want to be found by me, earnestly seek me. And those who earnestly seek me will find me. We've got to get alone with the Word. We've got to earnestly seek Him. It says the peace of God, when we come to Him and earnestly seek Him through prayer, the peace of God will literally transcend our understanding to where we walk out of our prayer, prayer life, we walk out of our prayer closet, and we don't even know why we have the peace that we have. Because Jesus says that the, this peace is going to surpass your understanding. You're not even going to understand why you feel this joy or this peace. Because the peace I give you transcends and covers over your crisis and your chaotic situations. Get alone with the Lord and earnestly seek Him. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and, and minds in Christ Jesus. Alright, last principle here is, in fa- is found in chapter 7. Jump a couple pages. Chapter 7 is where we find our fourth and final principle. Chapter 7, verse 1. Doing all right? Doing good? Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding to the tradition of the elders." When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. 
And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Who's washed their couch lately? Who's taken a cloth and given the old couch a good scrub down? Verse 6, or verse 5, Then the Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, why do, you, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men." the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Pause with me there. The word tradition is mentioned five times within this chapter, Mark chapter 7. This is our fourth and final principle. You want to experience God's peace, then elevate truth above tradition. Elevate truth above tradition. And what do I mean by this? Listen, I'm a man of tradition. All right, I love my traditions, the holiday traditions, you know, the church traditions, all that good stuff. I'm not saying necessarily that necessarily that traditions are bad. They can in fact be a good thing. They keep us grounded in our faith. But listen, we can begin to fall and lean on tradition as the goal in and of itself. Listen, the traditions and the rules and the regulations, the Old Testament law was never put in place as the end goal in and of itself. Merely, it was the means to point to the greater goal of the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, a lot of times we can be exhausted and tired and restless because we are treating traditions as the end goal in and of itself. And by traditions, I mean, I come to church on Sundays. I come to church Monday nights. I come to church Wednesday nights. I do my devotions. I take communion. I was baptized. And we treat the traditions, the good traditions, as the end goal in and of itself. And then we wonder, why do I not have peace in my life? It's because you are holding traditions to a higher elevation than you're holding the truth of God's Word. And we have reversed this and we have now upheld traditions saying, and I've gotten into this same trap thinking, well, I'm, a, I'm good with God and I'm right with God and I shouldn't be experiencing God's peace because I've been going to church. I've been staying on my schedule for devotions. I've been doing all the good things. But then that means our source of peace is found in our traditions. And our traditions were never appointed in the Old Testament to be that source of peace. Your peace will never be found in your traditions, your routines, your schedules, your possessions, or your passions, but your peace will only be found in a person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to get back to making Jesus Christ the focal point of our peace instead of, well, I go to church. Well, I do all the Christian stuff. I don't cuss much. You know, I don't do bad stuff. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to the parties. I'm not, I'm not getting drunk or wasted. You know, I'm holding to the traditions of my faith, right? And then we walk out of our traditions and we still don't have this peace and we're like, what is going on? I thought I've been following all the rules. I thought I've been living a good Christian life. But when we do that, what we're in effect saying is that the traditions of Christianity are the basis of my peace. Traditions have no hold over peace in our lives. Traditions cannot, cannot be the bucket by which we go to find peace. 
Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus, is the only source of our true peace and satisfaction. The traditions then are response to the peace we found in Jesus. Being baptized is a response to the salvation we've received. Taking communion, communion is a response to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Being good people in general is, is and should only be a response to the peace that we've first received in the person of Jesus Christ. We've got to elevate that truth above our traditions. And it's easy to get into that trap. And I'll tell you why, because we are very performance-based in our world. We're very performance-based in our culture. How I perform for the boss will determine whether or not I get the promotion at work. How I perform on the football field will determine whether or not I get the starting job. And then we take that mentality into our relationships with God and we say, how I perform for you, for you, God, will determine then how you love me in response. But Jesus says, listen, no, I am the source of your peace. Come to me, find your peace and your fulfillment in the person of me, and then I will meet all of your other needs. Then out of a response to spending time being filled by my peace, Then you'll do good, then you'll obey, then traditions are an awesome thing. But don't find your source of fulfillment and peace within the traditions. Find your source of fulfillment in the person of Christ. I'm going to end with Psalm 29.11. The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. The Lord blesses His people with peace. So if you're here tonight and you've maybe just, you haven't been experiencing that peace that you know you should be, and the cares and the worries of this world are choking out the peace that you should have in Jesus, I want to encourage you tonight, read through Mark chapter 4 through 7 again, meditate on His Word, be still before Him, and remember to only find your peace in the person of Jesus Christ. And Philippians 4 says, then when you meditate on me and when you pray to me and when you commit your life to me, the God of peace will then give you peace that surpasses all of your understanding because the Lord desires to bless his people with peace. Let's pray. Lord, that's what we want tonight. I pray for anyone tonight who has come in this room at Young Adults just just shouldering some kind of a burden, shouldering some kind of worry or fear or anxiety. And the worries of life and the fears of life and the storms that we're experiencing have overwhelmed us to the point where we have lost sight of the peace we are to find in Jesus Christ. So we come to You, Lord. And we just want to we just want to pray Psalm 29.11. Lord, we ask that You would give us strength and we ask that You would bless us with Your peace. So I pray, Lord, that a peace would come over us, Lord, that would just surpass all of our understanding because we're not finding our peace in tradition. We're not finding our peace in the rules. We're not finding our peace in the regulations, Lord. We're finding our peace in You And out of an overflow of our hearts, out of the overflow of the peace we find in you, therefore, we can be obedient people who honor you by obeying your word. 
So I'm just going to pause in my prayer here and I'm just going to ask if you just need the peace of God right now, just to be silent before Him, just to bow your heads and just, just give Him your worries. Just right now, just pray before Him, saying, Lord, I give You my worries. I take this time now just to be still before You. Whether you have an upcoming deadline to meet, whether you have to go back home to some kind of a, a family issue, whether for whatever reason fear has crept into your heart, Just take this quick 30 seconds to pray before Him and ask Him to replace your fear and worry with His peace. Thank You, Lord, for answering our prayers. I pray that you would give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. You are the God of peace. So we seek the source of our peace, and that is your Son, Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We give you the rest of our week. And I pray that you would continually remind us to meditate on your word. I pray that you would continually then, in response, just to bless us and to pour out your peace upon our hearts and our minds, that you would guard our hearts and our minds with your peace. We love you, God. We give you our lives. We commit our worries to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.